0: Embrace the flavor of life. The way I see it is you've got two choices. You can either keep pretending like nothing bad's ever going to happen to you, and then when it does, you're saying, "Uh uh-oh, or you can get ahead of what's coming so that when it does, not if. You're ready for it, and you're sitting pretty, sipping on Mai Tais next to the pool, working on that Caribbean suntan, because you got it covered. So folks, it's time for you to learn the truth about money. It's time for you to take back control of your money so that you are ready for what's about to happen. By doing that, you're setting yourself up for absolute success. No matter what comes your way, you're ready for it. And that's what I want for you, and I wanna help you with that. So go to chrisnoggle.com and sign up for the Wealth Webinar. We do them every Wednesday at 1 p.m. and you need to be there because it's time. For over 90 years, we've been crash testing our cars in the tireless pursuit of automotive safety. At Volvo, safety's been first since 1927. We've saved millions of lives with the invention of the three-point seatbelt in 1959. At Volvo, we've made driving safer for you and them. Visit
1: safety.findleyvolvo.com to learn more.
0: So they say if you give a man a gun, he'll rob a bank. But if you give a man a bank, he'll rob everybody. The good news for you is Private Money Club runs solely on peer-to-peer relationships which means no banks allowed. So finally, there's a community for real estate entrepreneurs where it is truly a win-win solution. This community is a place where you can connect with other lenders and other borrowers, and the end results, massive growth for you. You get to build your real estate empire, and you get to do it solving other people's problems. So if that sounds like a place you wanna be, well then join us. Go to privatemoneyclub.com forward slash Kelly. And if you want 500 bucks off just add Add the code KELLY500, and I'll knock 500 bucks off the premier membership. We'll see you on the inside.
2: Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas podcast, where attitude is everything. On today's show, we got a, a special second episode. We're doing a double episode because we want to give you as much amazing content as possible. Um, but I just did a uh, episode uh, probably 10, 15 minutes ago about making friends. And on today's show, I actually have wanted this young man to be on the show because he um, For me, it's not about what he does. It's not about any of the things that he's accomplished, which is massive. It's about who he is. And he's a part of my men's group. Um, We met at our neighborhood pool and we got a chance to be able to talk. And he asked me about a men's group that I have every Tuesday in Carlsbad, California at 730 to 830. And we just have a bunch of guys come. They're all amazing guys, but we don't talk about what we do. We talk about who we are and about, you know, being better husbands and fathers and, uh, you know, and friends. And we became friends over time. And I, I've challenged him today in our men's group. I said, look. I want you on the podcast. He has one of the most amazing stories. And as you guys get a chance to be able to experience him today, he's a... Uh, he's, he's in it right now. And when I say this, a lot of times we bring you stories of like, oh, wow, I had this triumph. But this is a man who's in it right now and was diagnosed with brain cancer, has a couple of small children, is married, and is looking at life through a completely different perspective and walking through it. And so I wanted him to share a story because I think there's so many people out there that think they're alone. Um, there are so many people out there that have a diagnosis and they think that that is it when that's just the beginning of their message. And so it's my honor, my pleasure to have my friend and my brother on the show today, Mr. Ryan Sullivan. Welcome to the show, my man. Hey,
1: Kelly. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> this is weird for me, but here we go.
2: <laughs> so I challenged you. This was maybe three hours ago. What sparked you to send me a text message and say, let's let's cast the pod? That's the way that you put it.
1: <laughs> uh. I've been busy lately. I was working full-time. I was doing all the treatment stuff. There's a lot going on in life. I've got two young kids. Uh, right now, I'm sort of finishing up time at an employer and, and working on the next one. And so okay. I'm past that initial grind trying to find the next job. Yeah. I think I'm almost there toward it. And I have a few days of sort of rest. And, and a lighter schedule than usual. So.
2: Well, and I, I think it was amazing to be able to, number one, to be able to get spend time with you. Um, but in your fir- the first time that you came to the men's group, you shared something. I, I can't remember. How, how do you say the word? What was the diagnosis? Uh, when was it? And what is the, the name of the diagnosis that you had?
1: Yeah, uh, perfectly healthy my whole life. And then March 2022, so a year and a half ago, feeling weird in the morning had what, ha- what turned out to be probably partial seizures, ended up in the ER to figure out what was going on, and a few weeks later after biopsy found out it was a brain cancer called oligodendroglioma.
2: Take us to the diagnosis. You're in the room because, you know, maybe you're feeling a little sick, but you don't think that right away, right?
1: Uh, I actually was feeling perfectly normal uh, and then I woke up one morning and just got lightheaded a few times uh-huh. in the shower once, about to head down the stairs once, and just qu- sort of like stood still for a minute or sat down for 30 seconds or whatever, and then got back to it. But that happened like three times that morning. And on the, I was driving my wife to the airport, and I, uh, I was driving. Uh, she's in the passenger seat. Our our son who was three, two or three at the time. Uh, I was in the back seat and I just, I wasn't feeling right. And I, I said, I need to pull over. My, my wife kind of figured out something's going on and I reached for the blinker and I, I couldn't properly like get there with my hand. I couldn't judge. My depth perception was off, whatever, something was off Mm -hmm. and she had to take the wheel. So I, I drove with my feet. She drove us off to the side of the road with, with the wheel in her hands And I sat there for a minute and got emotional and said, I don't go to the doctor, but I think we need to.
2: So this is three years ago, two years ago? year and a half. A year and a half. So this is right after the pandemic, hits.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I I was Googling things, like trying to figure out what was going on. And I thought maybe I had COVID again. And I was Googling like some heart conditions. Some of that was in the news around Mm -hmm. that time. I was feeling this like weird feeling uh, under, under whatever this is, my clavicle or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was a heart thing. I thought it was from COVID. I don't know. I had also been recently mildly electrocuted from doing some housework. <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out like what's going on here, you know.
2: How would you electrocute yourself doing housework?
1: Just switching out some electrical outlets in the house. Did you
2: not turn off all the stuff? You didn't turn it off? <laughs> no. Did you get buzzed pretty strong?
1: it's all relative
2: <laughs> but take us through this because i mean i've touched and i felt a little tingling i mean was this a jolt like an, uh, a uh yeah,
1: yeah and it was a, it was it was a couple of them
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you did it multiple times did you tell any of your friends about this
1: i told my wife okay
2: but none, none of the rest of you didn't tell us in men's group about this that's not
1: yeah, it didn't it didn't and still doesn't seem consequential
2: it was, i th- i it was think it little does buzz. a little buzz yeah okay so you were thinking that possibly that has that. Now, take us to the side of the road. Are you now starting to think, wow, this could be something, could be something serious? Or do you, does that, lock? does that, how, how long until you go to a doctor or a specialist?
1: Uh, we gave up the plan of going to the airport and we turned around. I quickly looked on, you know, maps on my phone and found the nearest hospital, the nearest ER we're in San Diego, and we were in a good spot. We were like a mile. We were like an exit away from, from a hospital. So we went there, checked myself in, and they were just running all kinds of tests. So I didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was going on.
2: So to put this in perspective, you're 40 years old right now. I just asked you your age earlier, and you paused. You had to think about it. Like you were trying to you know, like be like a movie star and tell me, because you're that good looking, you probably want to tell me you're 25. But you're 40 years old right now, so, I mean, we're talking 48 When this diagnosis happens, or 38, 38 38 when this diagnosis happens. Yeah. Take us into the room. So they're running all the tests. Are you freaking out at this time? I'm nervous in the hospitals. That's why I say that. (sighs) Um,
1: I was nervous, but I kind of thought it was this heart thing that I had been reading about but it sounded like probably not serious if that's what it was. I thought that was the worst case scenario. And if it is that, not super serious.
2: Doctor comes into the room. Do they come into the room on that day or do they get the test and then you have to wait a couple of weeks for the diagnosis?
1: Diagnosis came later, but first of all, it was like the end of COVID weirdness. Okay. And so my wife and son dropped me off at the ER but they had to leave me.
2: They can't come in. Sorry. It's, getting it's okay. Already. It's okay. How old is your son at this time? Two. Two years old. So you're going through this. You have to walk in and check yourself in, and they can't come.
1: No, so they went home assuming, you know, probably no big deal. But we'll, we'll get an answer, and I'll go home in a couple hours maybe with some medicine or something. Um, But I was there for a long time, and they were running all kinds of tests, hooking me up to things, testing my heart, just whatever they could think of. Uh, And the doctor who was kind of in charge. And and by the way, whenever whenever you're in the ER for a while, a lot of the time is like they close the curtain and you're just in there. And you're just left to think and like try not to panic. And, and they're off doing other stuff. And, if, and, you know, every once in a while they check back in with you. But you're by yourself a lot and you don't know what's going on. They're running all these tests. Everything they were running was coming back okay. Or maybe it was like, hey, there's this little vitamin deficiency or like stuff that was no big deal or this, this thing that could lead to blood clotting. But just, like, nothing super out of the ordinary. Like, there was nothing that they were going, this is it. We've figured out what's up. And the doctor was saying, hey, I'm, I'm probably going to send you home. You can check in with your primary care physician. And, you know, they'll, they'll run some further tests. Maybe they'll run a, a CT scan or MRI or whatever. But that stuff's expensive, and that seems like probably overkill. It's not going to be in that realm. Uh, so that's not the right first move. And I said, I, I'd never go to the doctor. I don't even have a PCP. And he was like, shoot, it's like COVID times. PCPs are packed. You might not get in for months. So I'm going to go like a little bit out of what I would normally do. And I'm going to order some of these extra tests if, if you're cool with that. So I then was getting like wheeled into these different serious scans. But thinking there's not going to be anything here. This is just let's just be sure. Uh, and after all that, I was sitting in the ER room. They were they were just doing more stuff, talking to me about more stuff, the assistants and whatnot. And that doctor who was kind of running the show, he came in and he he asked the others to to give us the room. Mm. And he shut the curtain and he said, We found something on your brain. We don't know what it is. We got to do more to figure it out. And he says, Maybe don't call your wife just yet because you don't, you have something scary to tell her, but that's just going to make her panic. And let's find out a little bit more. Let's get some more info. Let's try to figure out a plan, what's next or whatever, and then call her. So then like I just heard that. Like that's that's a that's a TV or movie like drama event. Even just watching it is hard. Being in it it's just like an explosion, a bomb dropped in my lap. And then it's like don't tell anybody, don't talk to anybody, I can't tell you anything, I gotta try to get hold of a, the doctor's gotta try to get hold of uh, a surgeon, a neurosurgeon, or like a brain specialist and try to figure out what do we do next. So so like a long time went by where I followed that and didn't call my wife. I started to line up like calling or texting my sister and saying, can you be ready? (laughs) in case uh, I give you the go-ahead and you need to go to my house and sort of handle the kids and whatever, so Kaylin can come if she needs to. And that's, that's when it ended up happening. So later, I had to make that call to Kaylin. They found something on my brain, and she, like, I could just hear it. could hear her just like drop and so i was in this place of like i'm panicking i can't i have no idea if i'm going to die tomorrow or, or next week and i i have to figure out how to not panic and and get us through this and be strong for for my wife who's on the way to the hospital now and for my family and i don't know man you can't be prepared.
2: And this all happens in one day. How long were you in the hospital that day?
1: Uh, they ended up checking me in. So I was in the ER, and they, tr- they transferred me that night, like, into inpatient, like, a hospital room. Um, honestly, like, I don't remember for sure how long I was there, but, like, within a few days, I got a biopsy, which is, like, they knock you out and drill a little hole in your head, and stick a needle in and pull out some tissue so that they can test it. And then you wait, I think I waited something like two weeks to get like some early indicators of a diagnosis.
2: I, I asked you when we, before we actually started, I said, you know, can I name this episode brain cancer perspective? And I said, is that the right wording? And you were like, well, brain cancer catches my attention perspective yeah I mean help us to understand the perspective like when you get that and you're you're preparing your sister you can hear your wife drop how does the perspective shift when you get a diagnosis like that like what goes through because we all think they say that you know our life flashes before us or you know things like that Um, but until you've experienced it we don't know what that is how did the perspective shift shift for you
1: Um, we had, we were fairly like fresh, like moving, moving into this area. Um,
2: a really cool neighborhood.
1: Yeah. We got with
2: awesome neighbors, dream
1: home, awesome (laughs) neighborhoods. The kids are loving it. Like the school, just everything's amazing. Okay. And I can remember specific moments just before this happened like being at the beach at sunset with the kids and they're running through the waves and splashing and giggling and my wife and I, you know, just standing next to each other and thinking and saying, this is going to be the best summer ever. Like, like we did, like, you can't, you can't beat this. We figured it out. And like, life is just going to be amazing for a while. It's never going to get better than this. That was, that was the weeks leading up to this. And I had had some, not a terrible life, but, like, I had had some, like, some difficult years, some personal struggles, like, leading up to this. And then this was, like, finally, like, just relax and just enjoy it. Uh, So that was flipped on its head real quick. And it wasn't just, like, life is okay, bam. It was, like, life is the best it's ever been or will ever be. And then, bam. Uh, and so, coming out of that, like by the fi- time I finally did get home, you know, after the after the biopsy and all the stuff, like in the hospital and limited information, and the information we did have was had was really scary. Um, my perspective, like, like right then was first of all I couldn't sleep i couldn't eat i had I had no appetite, I was just panicking all night long as I was okay during the daytime and a and a bunch of my family came into town to sort of like save the day uh but when the sun was up, life wasn't great, but like I was okay uh as as it started to get, like, the least bit dark, I would just panic, knowing that the night was coming and everybody in the house and everybody in the world was going to go to sleep and I was going to be left alone with with my thoughts and with this situation. And I couldn't get away from it. And I was... I probably was getting, like, maybe a total of an hour of sleep mm. a night and I I didn't want to take naps during the day because my family was there, my kids were playing, I was I was trying to hold them as tight as possible. And if I took a fifteen minute nap I didn't know how many how many more fifteen minutes periods I had left. I didn't want to use any. Sleep. So, I don't, just utter panic constantly.
2: But you still have to at this time, you're panicking, you have this stuff, you still have to be the man of the house, the husband, the father. Let's go into the father aspect of it. Yeah. Like, I have two kids. When you talk to me about this. My head, I mean, you have a responsibility as a husband which we're going to talk about, but let's go to the father aspect of it. How did that take take us there as far as the the emotional and the reality part of it? Cuz that's the thing that I admire about you most, Ryan. I admire a lot of stuff and you inspire me in a lot of ways, but your Ability to just be real like not sugarcoat stuff that you actually talk about those things take us there as far as your kids
1: um. Um, I Was thinking a lot first of all then and still up until now My wife and I have done our best to Guard the kids from this they remember that there was a time when like their whole family came and stayed with us they don't <laughs> they don't really know why um my daughter is old enough she's 6 now so she's old enough that she remembered that she remembers there was a time when it was when i had trouble like walking up the stairs this was after the surgery uh-huh. which was uh, some weeks after the biopsy stuff <laughs> um and they know that like I go to appointments and stuff now and sometimes somebody comes to our house to like draw my blood or just you know weird stuff like that but th- I don't think they really realize that it's out of the ordinary so we got to figure out like long term it's like my hope my hope from the beginning has been let's beat this thing before they're old enough to know what's up, so that we can talk about it in hindsight, of like there was this scary thing that we had to deal with, and we're we're through it now, so you don't need to be scared. So that like we're still on the spot now, where like we haven't put this on them of the, like because they'll be scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were just there was a lot there were a lot of thoughts that I had not not as much now, hopefully but about just like the things that I was going to miss of of their life life events just seeing them grow up teaching them how to ride a bike watching them graduate school get married <laughs> those sorts of things uh so that that applies to my wife and my kids you know like just things I was not not going to be there for and i believe in heaven And, like, I'm not going to say I have, like, no doubts about anything, but, like, I I do think when you die, uh, I I think that's, (laughs) there's something good out there. Yeah. So that's good, but, like, not being here, it doesn't make it that much easier to think about not being here for those people. And it's, like, (laughs) spoken or not, there's, like, a list of promises that I've made to these people. That I, that I might not be able to keep. And what's my wife gonna do? And like, how's this gonna affect my kids? I have friends who are, I have a couple friends that I've kept in mind this whole time that are agnostic or atheist. And some of it's like because of things like this. Because they've seen or experienced or just have questions about like how, why, like how could let God let happen, ha- let these kind of things happen, let alone to people who like believe in Him or try to follow Him or whatever that sort of thing.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't want to be like another example for them uh, to like to push them farther out in that direction. It's just, I mean, there's a, there's like a million things that scare me about this.
2: How do you, when I say balance, I use the word balance, but how do you navigate not wanting to miss something with like, you are the ultimate example of having to be present. Like this is what I've learned from you over the last, you know, probably six, eight months that we've got a chance to spend time together at the men's group because you have you know, what you just talked about was I don't want to miss all this stuff, right? How do you keep your mind on I don't want to miss this stuff and then the other part of I just want to experience this stuff cuz sometimes this one will take you away from this one.
1: Yeah, um it's a good question and and honestly like I'm I'm almost never panicking now, but I'm almost never a hundred percent present in anything either. There's a there's a portion of me that can't just be anymore. Hmm. It's like it's either worried about it or it's thinking there's something I should be doing about it or whatever. Like there's only so much only some only some percentage of me is available and some of it's just reserved to this stupid stupid
2: thing <laughs> what what kind of stupid things like you know when you when you're saying that i mean I...
1: like there's three google searches that i perform basically every day sometimes twice a day uh And there were more in the beginning, and these are kind of the ones that I feel like are they're almost like this maintenance mode of research. In the beginning, I've got a drawer full of books still that I just, like everything I could find, everything that was recommended to me, all these different books of different perspectives of what to do about cancer. uh, I was just reading nonstop. And so I've just got a stack of books on that. Um. Gosh, I just lost my train of thought.
2: That's okay. So take me, this was a... Uh, oh, sorry. W- oh, uh, go, the, go.
1: The Google search. So that was the deep research. There was a deep yeah. research So we got phase. three of them. That's number one. There was the deep research phase. And I I spent like any time that wasn't like wife and kid time Okay. was, let me figure out how to beat this time. Okay. And then, like, there's only so much you can do in that area as just, like, a, a person. I'm not a doctor, you know. Some of it's too deep <laughs> for me. So I, I feel like I did what I could. Um, and then there, there's this, like, maintenance mode. And this has been going on for over a year where pretty much every day I'm doing these three Google searches at some point. First of all, I checked this Good News Network website because... First of all, like I found some cancer-related stuff on there,
0: uh-huh.
1: and then, uh, and then secondly, it's just good news, and it like makes you feel okay about the world. Like it's not, it's a good way to start the day. Like the world is not crumbling, and there are there are advancements being made in all different areas, in the environment, and health, and and whatever. Where the rest of new the news is like everything's getting worse <laughs> all the time. This is like no, no people in the world are doing good things. And one of those things might be solving your problem, you know, coming up with a cure for you. So, glimpses of, like, some of that stuff. And then a little bit more specifically, a Google cancer cure. And that comes up with mostly, like, hey, people are walking or running or bicycling to raise money for cancer. A lot of breast cancer, a lot of more common cancers. Mine's super rare. It's like, if you're going to have brain cancer, this is the one you want. But... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's been phrased that way to me.
0: Now, but people are
2: going to think I'm insensitive because I just laughed at that, but can, can can you say that phrase again, Ryan?
1: If you're going to be diagnosed with brain cancer, they say this is the brain cancer that you want because it has a relatively positive prognosis. Okay. Over the last few decades, the prognosis has gotten better. Treatments not so much, but they've figured out like do surgery earlier for that for, for one thing. That's the main thing: do surgery earlier and be more aggressive. Get as much as you can with the surgery. They got like, i uh, they've told me like eighty five and ninety percent of mine. So some of it's some of the tumors still in there, and that's that scares me. I don't like that. Um, but the prognosis has gotten better, and so now it's like there are studies that show that. People with this diagnosis live, on average, you know, something like 15 to 18 years. Okay. So my hope is, by treatments will keep getting better. Uh By the time I would be screwed, somebody will have figured out how 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 to make me not screwed.
2: Take me to the place that makes you kind of want to smack somebody. Like when you first heard that. You probably want to smack, like a person saying to you, oh, wow, if you're going to get brain cancer, Ryan, when you first get it, this is the one that you have. You probably want to backhand that person. Am I correct on this? (laughs) What's the other things that people will say when they don't understand? And we talked about this in men's group one time where it's like people will be like, oh, well, look at the bright side of what is happening. It's not what you want to hear. How can you help us who are not going through it to be a little bit more sensitive and educated on what we shouldn't say to you when you are going through it?
1: It's a hard thing, and and I I get that, and I'm I'm sensitive to that. Like if I was in that person's <laughs> shoes, I I would make the same mistakes.
2: Yeah, but we want to hear the dumb stuff. Like I want to hear the dumb stuff that that people will say. Like when I've when I've heard
1: that, if you're going to have brain cancer, this is the one you want. Actually. Mixed feelings. There was a bit of that. Okay. But before that, that was, like, the first time I heard that was part of my transition from, will somebody tell me if I'm going to be alive next week? And then then, then they told me that. I got the diagnosis. I started to research it. And it was like, okay, I get, like, they're kind of right. This is actually a relief. I might live 15 or 18 years. That sucks. But... It sucks less than what I thought a minute ago. Yeah. By the way, after the biopsy, a couple weeks later, like we had been waiting for the phone call from the neurosurgeon for the preliminary sort of diagnosis. And he finally called, and it was like at night. I want to say at like 7 or 8 p.m. at night. And I went in the other room, and my wife and I think my mom, maybe my sister came with me. And I pick up the phone and we're, we're talking. And it's not a very long conversation. It, it, this, this was the ultimate, I think, of, of what you just asked me. <laughs> this guy, he had performed the biopsy on me. And then I think we didn't hear anything for a few weeks. Waiting for the results back from like a lab. So that's not his fault. He's waiting also. And then he calls me with the preliminary results, and it was the weirdest kind of casual conversation from his side, and it felt like he just was done with work for the day and was like phoning it in. I, I don't know. I didn't. What did, didn't what did he say? And he was just like, was it his tone? It was his tone, and it was, and it was what he said. He said, um, "I don't know verbatim," but he said. Have you googled glioma? And I was like, "What is glioma? Like, how would I know to Google glioma? Nobody's ever said that word to me. I, I don't know." There's like, and now I know there are different kind of brain cancers. So like, I <laughs> there's nothing that would have led me to Google glioma. <laughs> so that's a weird question. I feel like he's just disconnected at that point, uh-huh. which is hard. This like, I'm, my life is depending on this guy, and he like. It's trying to remember who I am, it feels like. Wow. And then he tells me the name of it, and I ask him to repeat it. And I'm, I think I was trying to write it down in my notes, but like my hands were shaking and like I barely could. And I'm trying to figure out how to spell it. He spelled it for me. And I feel, I want to say the conversation might have been five minutes long. My memory's like hazy, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I think so. And he tells me the name of it. And then he says, go research it. Just go look on the Internet and see what you find. I'll caution you like not to pay too much attention to like the the positive stories because that <laughs> that may not be you. And I, I, don't want you to be. At least my, my, what I was receiving was like, I don't want you to be too hopeful about what you're dealing. Is this
2: with. on speakerphone? Yeah. So your wife is hearing this. Yeah. Your wife wants to choke this dude. I'm sure. Okay.
1: Um, and I think he also said like, don't pay too much attention to like the the worst ones either.
2: Okay. So not the extremes. So like, try to figure out like what
1: what the possibilities are and like, y- you'll be probably somewhere in there. See ya, you know, tell me when, let me know when you're ready for surgery. And that was kind of it. And, and I said like, is this an emergency? Like, do I need to schedule surgery ASAP? Like, are there other options? Like, what do I need to know? I was asking him, like I'm probing him to figure, figure something out. <laughs> Um, and he was just like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't wait six months, but like, you don't need to be here tomorrow. So, you know, probably within a few weeks or whatever, let us know what you want to do.
2: How does this impact your, your relationship with God? Right. Because people can say all the time, like, um, you know, there's a blessing through everything. Everything has a silver lining. This is Real we haven't even got to the point of you being a husband which we're going to get to or even being a son to your to your parents what does it do to your relationship with god or what has it done what prog- or process have you gone through
1: um it's an interesting question i i alluded to like previous personal struggles before for years leading up to this. What were they? Some of it was career, and, like, I, um, I've i had a fairly successful career, but uh, sometimes it's just felt, like, kind of meaningless. Like, uh, just working for Amazon or whatever and, like, designing cool stuff, and I enjoy designing stuff.
2: Um, Can you help us to understand... The, the gravity of that type of success because you're a very humble guy, okay? And so sometimes when people hear they're like, oh, wow, maybe he, when you said Amazon, oh, maybe he worked for them for a little bit of time. I mean, you're at the top of the game at what you do. And this is the reason why I didn't lead with the fact of what you do. Every one of my friends that I have, they're the greatest at what they do but can you help us with the gravity of the professional side, not for I'm beating my chest, but for people to understand like the things that you went through in your career and the success, like the things that you were able to experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I was at Amazon for seven years and that was, that was the first job where I was like, wow, this is Amazon. And I liked that because people ask where you work and you tell them and they're like, I love Amazon. So that, that was nice. Like mm-hmm. I, I I do something that people love. But I started, I worked on fire TV for like five years and I loved working on it. But there were times where I was thinking, my job is to help trick millions of people into sitting on the couch for an extra hour. They're already doing it for hours a day watching TV. Let's try to add more hours on top of that. And it's like, I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I'm making a company richer. I'm benefiting in some some financial and and professional ways, but like I'm not adding to the world. And so,
2: how long into that seven years did you start thinking like that?
1: I worked on Fire TV for um, for five years, and it, it probably took two or three years to start to feel that way.
2: What were some of the tactics that were used that I don't know about? That you got me to sit on the couch for uh, longer. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: it, uh, it, it's not like it's not as nefarious as it sounds. Okay, some people, some designers and companies do nefarious stuff, but we weren't in that business. Okay,
2: no the, nefarious. But I'm saying, like, this was. What are some of the things that I don't know about that I'm? And I'm not talking like top secret, but I love the intricacies and the way that people are able to say, for instance, in our companies our music was by design yeah. only non-lyrical never popular and most of the time if it was lyrical it was foreign so you had never heard the music before so it would never evoke a positive or negative emotion so you would focus on the service that we were giving you mm. and that's a thing that most people didn't realize every time you come to men's group there's three birds if you notice them on the uh, top of the door Mm -mm. those three birds symbolize the song from Bob Marley. Every little thing is going to be all right. And anytime you are having a bad day, you look up, you see the three birds and realize that you're exactly where you need to be and every little thing is going to be all right. But no one in the place except the team knew that that was happening. And that's how we were able to stay with the mentality of 70 and sunny all the time. Mm -hmm. Take us into some of those little secret Mickeys, if you will, that got me to sit my butt on the... Uh, on the couch longer. <laughs>
1: it's it's probably <laughs> it's probably going to be like disappointing for what <laughs> my for what my people might be expecting, but uh, just simple things and like Netflix. I would say is like they're the, they're the masters and they like started like the streaming stuff and like a lot of people just follow them. But like some of the some of the tactics and like I said, they're not they're not that nefarious, but it's just like. My job was just to make things look nice and be, like, easy to use. Get you to sign up for free trials. Sort of, like, increase the stickiness of the platform or whatever. And then there's the stuff that everybody's used to. And maybe you think about it or maybe not. But, like, um, just simple things. Like, when you finish watching an episode... It barely starts running the credits, and now, like, every platform and every service, like, starts loading up the next episode. Like, that's a subtle thing, and it's not it's not evil, but it gets you geared up, like, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to turn this off and go to bed or have a meal or whatever. I'm going to keep binging.
2: It's just that kind of stuff. I, I fell victim to this just the other night. I was watching Super Pumped. And about this, the, the battle for Uber. Uber. Yeah. yeah, I read the book. The book is phenomenal. Um, you, but that little stuff, it intrigues me, right? So you were starting to have this battle inside of you. Talk to us about some of the things that you thought were so large before this diagnosis of brain cancer that now when you look at, you're kind of like, that wasn't that big of a deal.
1: I mean, I just, like, I had a great job. I had a great house, family, like all the stuff. Uh, not like a millionaire or something, but just like it, it, great, good stuff. I feel very good about it. And then like, and s- professional success, but like meaning in my profession was sort of like the final thing. And I think it's, uh, gosh, what's the guy's name? There's that like p- the hierarchy of needs.
2: Hierarchy of needs.
1: Maslow's maybe? Yeah, hierarchy, yeah, yeah. Hierarchy it hierarchy.
2: is. We were just, Mike Smalls and I, you're killing me, Smalls, um, was just, we were, he was just talking about this and how it breaks down to the bottom, yeah. like the basic and foundation. Yeah. So, like, I feel
1: like I just had so many needs met that, like, the one that became my focus was, like, meaning and purpose in my work that was already great and I already got to come home to great stuff and whatever,
2: so... What about the challenges that you said that you were having before this? I mean, you said that you didn't have a ideal did you have an ideal upbringing? Was it beaver cleaver kind of stuff? Um I mean, I
1: like like I was like barefoot climbing trees, riding bikes, all that sort of stuff and like I have fond memories of a lot of that. Yeah. Um my family on both sides definitely like have issues of mental health issues, like serious stuff, suicides, and that sort of thing, Uh, recluses and, you know, um, depression, and then, like, alcoholism and physical and emotional abuse, that kind of thing. Uh,
2: So you're saying you're normal? Yeah. (laughs) It's It's funny because I had one person tell me that she was like, I've got a, a normal family. My parents are still together. They love each other. We don't really have any challenges. I was like, "You're not normal. You're abnormal." <laughs> the normal is that you got the challenges inside of it. Is, you understand what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, there are some tra- traumatic events that would stick out for sure in that, like close to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like. I'm not, I'm not at the far end of the spectrum of being like physically or sexually abused or anything like that. But there there was some stuff.
2: And so when you start to have this professional success, right? And when I say success, things start to go well financially. Things start to go well professionally. You end up, you you get the house because it was away from here. And then you get the other house, which is pretty much a dream house, close to the beach. You guys are hanging You had just got through some stuff and you think, wow, I can breathe. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, and uh, we bet big. Like, I was trying to spend a certain amount on a house. And then we found a house that was (laughs) like 60% higher than the amount I was trying to spend, like a lot higher Uh than what I was comfortable with. And so I had gotten lucky with, like, I worked at Amazon for a number of years, and so, like, I've never bought stock in my life, but, like, I got some stock while I was at Amazon. And I started at a good time, and it was there at a good time where that stock became worth some money. And so, like, anyway, we found this house, and, like, eventually we were like, let's go for it. And we did go for it, like, financially. And then I got lucky that, like, pretty soon after we moved in, uh, and paying the mortgage was, like, a little, a bit of a stretch. Like, the budget was a bit stretched. And then I got, like, a new job that was, like, a big pay jump at a, at a new company. And so it was just, like, dang, like, everything is just going awesome. Every, like, God's just, like, shining his favor on us right now.
2: That's the time where we have the tendency to turn our eyes to the Lord and be, like, I'm giving you credit, right? So like when those things are hitting, and I I mean, I can't say that I'm in that exact same or went through the exact same scenario, but talk to us too, because we, we, we kind of alluded to it, but what does a, a marriage go through when you have a diagnosis like what you've had and to have, what, what's the brain cancer called?
1: Oligodendroglioma.
2: Okay, that's a lot of syllables. Glioma was the one that the doctor told you? Glioma
1: is like a subgroup. Subgroup. And then oligodendroglioma is a specific and rare type of a glioma, which okay. is a type of brain
2: cancer. So when you get that diagnosis, how does it impact your, your marriage? Uh. Have you ever got your wife to give you less of a hard time because you're like, look, you know what I mean? You need to ease up on a brother right now. Like, I think that I would use it a little bit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's times where we're boneheads. I mean, I think that you're a nice guy and you seem to be an awesome husband, but there's times where we make the bad decisions. Sometimes we choose to not do the laundry when we should. Has there been a time, Ryan, where you've used it to your advantage and been like, look, Really?
1: I've I've done that jokingly. <laughs> which is crazy that at this point we can like joke sometimes. Yeah. Uh about it.
2: When was it? And what was it? What did you use it on?
1: I think I used it <laughs> like a, a week or two ago about about making the bed, which uh lately like my our kids get up early. And then my wife lately has been getting up, like, a lot more than I have with them. Okay. We used to alternate more, but lately, I don't, like, kind of without talking about it, she had just been doing it more. Uh, and so I get out of bed last, and I, like, kind of make the bed. I put the extra pillows back on it. I, like, put the blanket back where How it many
2: pillows you got that you don't use?
1: <sighs> like, way too many for me and not enough for her. So How many? It's a compromise, but I use one pillow. Okay. And does
2: she do the fortress around her?
1: No. Uh, so when the bed is made properly, the way she wants it, <laughs> there are three pillows at the top, and then <laughs> two rows of big pillows. Uh, so seven pillows.
2: And then, is there smaller ones? Is there like an accent? Like no. Now it's it's seven pillows. Seven pillows. What do you do with the pillows before you get into bed? You throw them on the floor? Or do you have to put them in another place that's organized too?
1: I put them like on the floor, but like in a corner stacked.
2: Okay. Does she like that? Would she, she prefer never that? Said anything.
1: She, I, I don't think she has any problem. As
2: with long it. as it goes back to.
1: Yeah. So she wants the pillows back where they go. She wants the blanket like up, but then like folded back. And then one of, the, like, the front row of pillows, I think, is supposed to be on top of the fold back, And then there's, uh, like, a sheet kind of throw thing or whatever at the foot of the bed uh-huh. that, that, like, I leave there and I, like, pull it out a little bit. But she just kind of wants it, like, tidy.
2: So you didn't make the bed all the way?
1: Not all the way. I put, I put all the things, like, basically in their locations, but it wasn't, like, Perfect. a photograph. Did
2: you know? Did you know, as you were doing it, I'm only doing this kind of half staff.
1: I felt like I was going eighty percent of the way. You knew, and I, yeah. Did, I you knew I was deci- did you make that?
2: Did you make the, the decision before, as you were making it? You were like, eh, I'm just going to do it kind of halfway.
1: I was. I felt like I was going further than halfway, and I, I, I didn't <laughs> want all that stuff in the first place. And I'm too tall, by the way. <laughs> Even with one pillow, my feet. I wake up and my feet are. Against the footboard. Like, my head's on the headboard, my foot's on the footboard. And so, like, I can't have extra pillows anyway. That's <laughs> just logistically. <laughs> so, like, I felt like I was doing, I was going most of the way. In terms of compromise, I was going further to where she wanted to be than where I wanted to be. <laughs> so I thought I was doing a pretty good job, and it, like, wasn't malicious in any way.
2: Okay. But you knew that you weren't going I knew it
1: wasn't the whole thing. Okay.
2: Yeah. All right. So then she comes to you. Did you kind of back it off? Uh, talk us through this because what did, how did you utilize <laughs> glioma to, to get yourself out of making the bed 100%? So
1: it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't a super heated conversation, but I could tell she was like, it was something that had bothered her a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Uh, how did she, she address mentioned.
2: it? How did she address it? Did she come in like did she come in hot or did she come in like hey it's a beautiful day
1: It wasn't a crazy thing I don't remember if I feel like there was like something else that happened and then this got mentioned with like a short list of things that like had been bothering her maybe Okay I'm not the best at like keeping track of and the details And how did how did you, how did you
2: respond to it? How did you bring up the the old
1: I think I used it like kind of jokingly, but it was taken not as a joke. And I think (laughs) (laughs) I I think I was joking. (laughs) But also probably was aware that could be taken not well.
2: Help us to understand like what'd you say? We'll be the judges of this. I'll be the judge of it. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know for sure if this is what I –
1: but, like, something I have said is I've kind of joked about, like, hers or even, like, some neighbors that are good friends or, like, f- family who are aware of everything. Like, if they bring up, like, some problem, it's just, like, an easy joke to make of, like, <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for you, you know, I – I can't imagine what your life must be like, and I don't even have to like name it specifically, but <laughs> it's just like it's there, you know. And so, let's like sometimes it is a joke and everybody laughs, and then then like this time, it it got worse, and like we didn't talk for a couple hours.
2: <laughs> How did you, did you have to? Did you go back to her and say, "Look, I was insensitive," or did she come back that that way?
1: Uh. I came back to her but it like it it was it was like a little bit of like I'm sorry and a little bit of like are we really going to like do this over this and, and then I guess I probably brought it up again like or at least there was an undercurrent of like like we don't have time for this you know with everything going on let's <laughs>
2: the bed wasn't
1: quite made right you know that sort of thing I think that was my attitude
2: but she still wants you to have the bed made all the way,
1: yeah, but you so now I've been making it better, and <laughs> I was making it better for like a week, and then she was like she she found me making it better one morning, I think, and then she was like, "Do you know that now I just feel guilty every time that I see that you've made the bed <laughs> properly
2: <laughs> you've <coughs> you figured out marriage man this is this is this is some this is some high level stuff
1: so I was just I, at that point, I was like, "I can't help you with that. <laughs> we've we've reached the end of the road, and <laughs> you have something to figure out there." And th- th- and at that point, it was cordial, and we were joking <laughs> with each other. You know,
2: how about for uh, for you as far as how do you stay in line with? I mean, you're dealing with your own scenario, right? So you're a, you're a dad. You want to make sure you connect and connect with the kids and s- soak up every moment of time then you want to be a husband you want to make sure that everything is how do you go to an empathy place with her to understand from a wife's perspective that her man her rock her her guy is going through something that she has no control over
1: um i think i think since Since the beginning of this, we've sort of taken turns being the strong one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're both aware of that. And that makes it a little easier of, like, you can kind of notice the other person's, like, sputtering out a little bit. Now it's my turn to step up. And, like, I feel like we... That's not easy, but we've both accepted, like... That's the best we can do right now. We'll do it.
2: How do you know when she's sputtering out? Like, what are some of the signs that you see that you're that it's like Ryan needs to step in?
1: Uh, I would say both of us, her and myself. I think we can notice each other sputtering out if we are getting if we have less patience with our kids our kids are four and six and I think some like a lot of times we're great with them and then sometimes it's just like we don't have much left and so I think I think maybe it happens with the kids before it happens with each other or with friends or whatever like like we can tell that we don't have as much as usual to give to the kids and we recognize that and that's like that's an early signal.
2: What do you want your wife, like, through all this, what do you want your wife to have a conversation about her friends and say about you?
1: Uh, My wife is actually great. She's much better than I am about expressing to me and in front of me these types of things. So, like, she does.
2: Does she say you're handsome all the time? You're a pretty handsome guy. I mean, you're intimidatingly handsome. Like, when I saw your picture, like, I didn't want to show you any of my pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Does that feel weird coming from another dude?
1: It feels weird. Coming from anyone. Uh my wife is beautiful and she like we hear that all the time from like everybody about how how nice she looks or her hair or her clothes. So look. you outkicked like, her
2: you out-kicked your coverage. Yeah, way. Yeah. Uh
1: so we hear that all the time and women in general I think do that more often. Uh I like I don't hear that I'm I'm handsome I, like I, I mostly hear that I'm like too thin or too like just tall. Like I just like a general <laughs> awkwardness. I don't hear from people that I'm handsome. So,
2: Kaylin, uh it's Kaylin is your wife, yeah. okay? So, Kaylin, you, you need to shout out that he's handsome from the top of the
1: Oh, she does. I'm just joking with you. No, she does. She's the only one. She does? She's the only one. Does
2: she yell at she wear a, a shirt says my husband's handsome? She
1: has, I think she has some kind of shirt like
2: that. I think that. we could have one ordered Doesn't for say her. Say
1: handsome, but hot? No, it's not it's not a I don't think it's like a physical actor The man type shirt. But she's good. She's good with compliments to me, whether we're alone or in front of people, or like she's she's good at that. Okay. Uh, and I that's like an area for me to work on, and like it's always been.
2: Why do you think that is? I know when we talked in men's group about it one time, you had said that you kind of struggle with it at times. Why? Why do you think that is? I.
1: Like I'm a quiet and uh, I'm quiet. I don't speak that much. I observe a lot. I sort of want to like just quietly figure out what's going on like with systems or people. Like I want to understand the inner workings. And then maybe eventually I'll feel like I have something worth saying. And so that's my general like demeanor. Okay. Um, So I just don't talk that much. I don't have that many like words per day. Um, and so maybe that's part of it of just like not talking that much at all. And, and so like that probably through my life has led to like not gaining skills people might have of, uh, complimenting people or, or extending further into like a different area, like salesmanship or like, like I'm not, I don't have like strategies behind my talking behind my words. And, like, a strategy that I probably should be better at is, like, I want to make sure my wife knows how I feel about her. Because I do feel this way, but it doesn't come out of me verbally.
2: You wrote a letter <coughs> one time. We talked about it this morning. Did you write one today?
1: I haven't. Okay. It was. A, I think I wrote a text. Is wrote.
2: You wrote a text?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, the time you're talking about Yeah.
2: What impact did it have? What did you see? I you mean, don't have it, to tell us the exact letter. Yeah,
1: no, it was a fairly simple text, just like just telling my wife that I was like proud of her. Uh-huh. Uh, because I think I think it was probably at a time where like like I have to get an MRI every couple months, one to three months, depending on what's going on, and just check in, and that's like always nerve wracking. And sometimes there's, like, a scary blip in them or something. And those times are, like, really tough for us. Uh, so it might have been during one of those times. There's, like, one of these these just extra hard times. Mm-hmm. and And she was just doing extra, like, with the kids and just figuring out logistics and, like, keeping all of our friendships and family relationships alive. And like, doing stuff with her interior design business she's starting up. She was just, like, doing so much and and still doing what I said before of, like, just being great at, like, showing love to our kids and, and to myself and to everybody. It's just so, like, she was just kicking ass. And I just told her that I noticed that. Like, it was very simple, you know? And... <laughs> I, I could just see, I could see, like, for that day that it just, like, lifted her up. It, like, took her up a notch. And part of that, I think, just always happens. But I think it was extra, and that sort of signaled to me, like, oh, this this feels kind of, like, unique or out of the ordinary to her, which means that I'm not, like, probably doing it enough.
2: You need to send her a text about the seven pillows on the bed. Just be like, yo, baby, I appreciate the seven pillows. Seven so, pillow like I we should go for eight. <laughs> Head to home goods today. There's there's get an you one more pillow.
1: There's there there's related to that. <laughs> uh she appreciates that I'm very honest. Mm-hmm. Almost always. So she can almost always know that I'm telling the truth. <laughs> But on the other side of it, she knows that I can't tell her that I appreciate seven pillows.
2: <laughs> I, th- I felt that as an indictment. I felt like you were, you were coming at me saying that I wasn't telling the truth all the time. Okay, how many pillows would be the ultimate amount of pillows for you? One each. One each. No decorative pillows. Uh-huh. Do you want the, 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 the cover folded back or do you just want it regular? Just regular two pillows underneath the comforter or on top of them? And do you need the um, thing at the foot of the bed, the, the sheet or whatever it is? I think
1: pillows uh, partially like standing up against the headboard. I don't want the sheet at the head, at the foot of the bed. Um, the fold I could take or leave. I don't really want to do it. Okay. Because I can kind of like flip the, sh- the, the comforter up from just my side of the bed, but to do the fold back, I have to walk around. Why
2: don't they make comforters with a fold back that's already sewn in? I don't know. Decorative. It's already there with the pillows attached to it.
1: <laughs> so kids... that way
2: when you throw it on, the pillows would be stationary in the same place. Yeah. Your wife's an interior designer and we need to come up with this concept.
1: My kids' beds uh, zip closed so to make the bed, <laughs> you just zip it all the way up like a sleeping <laughs> bag. Are you kidding me? It's made. Uh-huh. So they're very young, but they can, like, make their bed. They don't really, but they could.
2: They could if they wanted to, but they don't.
1: It's my son did the other day, and he was, like, really proud of himself, and we praised him for it, but it doesn't happen that much.
2: Does your wife hold him accountable?
1: No, we like, we we don't really ask him to do okay. it.
2: Okay, but she holds you accountable. Yeah, we ask so him, him to, seven
1: like, kind of have to have their room clean by the time we get ready for bed. Okay. Clean-ish.
2: How about the putting them to bed? You had told me a story a while back about you know, putting them to bed and and making sure on that. And some of the things as far as perspective that you helped me with my perspective on sometimes when my son isn't doing exactly what I want him to do. And you kind of had that perspective shift and he shared it with all of us. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: I'll try to remember. Um, What comes to mind when you say that is that there are things that, There's like an idea of how we want bedtime to go. And our our kids, (laughs) (laughs) their attention spans are short. So if they're downstairs and you send them upstairs and it's like, we're going to clean the kitchen and clean your toys that you haven't cleaned and whatever. Can you go upstairs, potty, wash your hands, brush your teeth? And that's really it. Those three things, and there's like pajamas, and then we read a book and whatever. Those are the three things we send them upstairs to do.
2: Hold on, hold on. you have your kids wash their hands? Yeah, this—that's the whole. This this whole podcast has been valuable to me. I have—I mean, I have my kid when he's playing football, but every night before bed, you have him washing hands, brush your teeth. What's the other one?
1: My wife, my wife has them. I honestly don't. Well. <laughs> I don't always wash my own <laughs> I grew up as like, I, I was kind of a hillbilly. Where at? Gilbert, Arizona. And like, I didn't, I didn't realize it, but people would come visit us from out of town and they'd be like, why does it smell like that? And it's because there was like cow farms everywhere, dairy farms, <laughs> and it smelled like cow poop, but we, I couldn't <laughs> smell it anymore.
2: So it's brush your teeth, wash your hands. What's the other part?
1: Um, What's the other we'll one? go to the bathroom.
2: Go to the bathroom. Oh, so go to the oh, I, I understand. Now do you go to the bathroom and then wash your hands. I'm down with that. Yeah. I thought you were just saying like just go wash your hands for okay, but go to the bathroom no, then actually, wash like, your hands. Like I don't
1: I don't really believe that much in like washing your hands too much and like killing germs. I think some exposure to germs is probably healthy.
2: Okay. All right. So let's go back to taking them to bed and the way that you want it as opposed to the way that it happens as a parent.
1: Yeah, so we send them upstairs and we're like working downstairs <laughs> trying to clean as fast as we can because they're going to wake up early in the morning and come downstairs and if it's already messy, then it just it's going to get worse. So let's try to start fresh going into bedtime. And then we, we're we're doing all this work downstairs that they didn't do and we just hear them upstairs like fighting or laughing or whatever and like nobody's doing anything. <laughs> And they're fighting over, like, one toilet. Maybe one of them's going to the bathroom, and the other one's just, like, yelling at them that they're about to explode. Uh, they call it busting because they watch Bluey, and now everyone uses Australian terminology. Uh, so they're doing that, and then we come upstairs just, like, frustrated because we were doing all the stuff, they weren't doing anything, and we're also already, like, tired from the day, and we are thinking, like, we want to climb into bed, and relax and hang out with each other and like watch TV or whatever, get tricked into watching another episode of something. <laughs> uh, and so that, like, though that combination of like leading into it and then what our thoughts are of like what we, what our reward is after bedtime, we have this like middle zone where it's easy to miss. And that's actually like the most important part is like being with our kids in this like story time. Mm-hmm. And then we eat we split up there's two of us and two of them, so we take turns splitting up and like laying with them and talking a little bit before they go to sleep and that's like that's like a really precious time of the day, but it's easy to miss if like you let one or both of those other things ruin
2: it Where do you find fuel in the tank to be able to hit on all those cylinders because you know we talk about being thirty eight years old, right. Being able to breathe, kind of, for the first time—not the first time, but <clears throat> things just hitting at this level. Stop at the side of the road, get a diagnosis, like go to the hospital, get a diagnosis. Things get switched. Perspective shifts, right? Now you have to start thinking about your wife, the amount of time that you spend with your wife, the amount of time that you spend with your kids, the amount of time that you spend with your with your parents, friends. We didn't we haven't even got into that part of it. And it's not like regular life stops. It's not like they said your kid said, Oh wow, Dad. You got this diagnosis. This diagnosis is in our family. We're gonna chill out for a little bit. No, they're four and six, you said? Now. Now. Yeah. And they were two and four at the time. Yeah. Where do you find fuel?
1: Um, luckily for me, like those were the, those were my top priorities already. Mm -hmm. So I already think I was putting the most of myself into those before the diagnosis. And since then, it's like, if I have to steal from other places, I already kind of was doing that if I had to, but, like, now it's like, I'd, well, I do have to now because I have to go for, like, IV treatments and just go to doctor's appointments and MRIs, and there's just, like, a lot of extra stuff to deal with that, like, nobody wants to. So that, that like, steals hours and energy. Uh, I got laid off recently. That steals so many hours and energy. Um,
2: Take us to that, <coughs> to that place because that causes... Uh, and I can imagine that causes. And I don't know this, but I'm assuming. Are you kidding me? Right? Does it? Does that emotion connect? One more thing.
1: One more thing, but also, uh, this one. This one feels extremely like disappointing to me in like a in terms of just like morality or like humanity like are you for real are, are you kidding first of all like I had brain surgery diagnosis March 4th or 5th or something or like in the ER mm-hmm. uh, biopsy and and kind of a diagnosis a few weeks later um, surgery in April April twenty something, I think. Uh, within two weeks after surgery, i th- I was in the I was in the hospital. I think th- I came home the third day, and it was like get surgery, wake up. By the way, I didn't. I th- there was like this doctor, this eye doctor, had tested me before and had looked at the MRI, and he was like, "I can't believe you are not already having vision problems and like v- like visual." hallucinations of like seeing things Yeah, and he's like maybe your brain has like noticed that something's happening and has like kind of like adapted and like moved away from that problem area anyway he was like I would I would think I can't believe you're not already but I would think that coming out of the surgery you probably have like a five percent or less chance of uh, retaining your vision So I was expected that I might lose, like, the lower quadrant, lower left quadrant of, like, both eyes of vision or perhaps the left hemisphere. And if that happened, I would have probably lost my driver's license forever. And then it's like, how do you do life? Like, how do I get a job and stuff, you know? So I got lucky there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been a very lucky man. (laughs) Uh, but I got, I got back to work. I got home three days after brain surgery. They Uh removed a big chunk of my brain and that chunk of your brain, uh, part of it is your vision and part of it is, uh, like balance and also your sense of like your place and like your, your physical presence in the world. Uh And so I came out of there and they had removed some from the right side. And so my left side was just like weird. And when I started walking again, I was just like running into corners and doorways with my left side because I wasn't seeing it that well, but I mostly like wasn't judging. It's like cats have whiskers to judge. Like, can I fit in this space? And if you cut their whisper whiskers, they can get stuck in a place Uh because that's how they like sense. So my sensation of like, how to use my left side, like how high to lift my left foot to go upstairs, that sort of thing. I was like stumbling on stairs all the time and I was running into things with like my left shoulder all the time. Uh, But within two weeks I got back to work and I sort of ramped up and like pretty quickly was like back full time. Um, And then over the next like year and a half up until just like a month ago, my perception is I became like one of the top performing designers at the mm-hmm. company, and in a large company, but like I was doing well for for them and for seventy million users worldwide. Like I was, I think I was doing a great job, um, and even the CEO was sort of increasingly open to some new changes that we were breathing, uh, were bringing, and a, a project that. Our work had spawned We were exploring something that was estimated by internal business partners that over the next four years it would bring in an additional couple hundred million dollars to the company and Then I heard these layoffs were coming and it was like hey within like the a couple weeks like on or around this date we're gonna announce who's laid off and then we started to get a little more information of like if you're a remote worker if you're paid well some, some of these things. Um, if, if you're working on projects that will probably have to shelve for a while because of layoffs, those, those put you more at risk for layoff. And I'm thinking like, well, I'm, I am remote and they, they're paying me well. I I don't know how well compared to other people, but I feel like it's well, but I'm on like so many projects. Like I was, uh, when we would list every week the projects everybody was working on and a status update, it was like my list was long and it was really important, high impact, high visibility projects. I'm going to I'm gonna help make the company hundreds of millions of dollars over a couple of years. I was the only designer working on that plus like four to six other big projects. So I was just doing all the stuff to like secure my spot to be a good employee because I want to be. Um, but also to like, maintain stability for my family. So I'm 0% thinking I'm going to be laid off. And I, we had heard that like the email might go out around like this time, kind of in the middle of the night or the wee hours of the morning on this day. Mm -hmm. And I happened to wake up early that morning at like six or something. And I checked my email and I had one and I'm, I'm part of the layoff, and uh, just completely blindsided me. Um, and like I said, like on a personal level, just like, I don't know who made who, ma- who all was involved in the decision, but my leadership up to a certain level were, were very aware of both my, situ- my situation, my health situation, My dependency on insurance. I just got hold. I just finally got approved a year after being denied for a new drug, um, for my diagnosis that costs thirty five thousand dollars a month. If you don't have insurance, with my insurance, costs sixty dollars a month. I don't even know how to explain that. But if I lose my job, not only do I not have income, insurance becomes difficult and this is life altering perhaps this 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 could put my life at risk you know is is what i'm thinking this isn't just a layoff a layoff is hard for anybody you have to find a new job but like i'm i'm feeling like <laughs> this is an attack you know and i'm sh- they they didn't mean to attack me i'm sure like gosh that's an oversight or or worse like it just felt like i cannot imagine who made that decision it it felt first of all like not smart because of what i was contributing and gross so that, that was incredibly disappointing and I, i've always like struggled with sort of authori- authoritative figures mm-hmm. Like, the government's always disappointing to me, and I've had some bad teachers and, and bosses and whatever. But this was just like, holy crap. Like, it doesn't get... And doctors, too. Like, oh, man, don't get me going on that. Uh, I've I've had some disappointing encounters with doctors recently. But, I don't know. This This just feels, like, so weird and, like, unacceptable to me.
2: How did you deal with it with your wife? With that? Yeah, with that, because that's another, like, that's that... I'm not saying it's the exact call, but it's another call. Maybe it's a conversation, but that's the call that you had to make that you couldn't that you have to get a hold of your sister. don't call your wife right now. Take us to that place
1: i've I felt like I had no choice. I just like immediately sprung into action i got I got the email. let's say I got the email at six thirty in the morning for example, within 20 minutes, I was, I had the laptop open and I was updating my resume and my LinkedIn and my portfolio. By the end of the day, I had probably applied to 200 or something uh, job openings that I had found on various websites. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was just going. And uh, so that a normal work day, you know, you might say is like eight to five or whatever like that. Uh, that day I was doing that job, trying to find a new job from like seven in the morning to 11 p.m.
2: How has this shaped your perspective with all these things that have gone on? Like, you know, uh, you have you have a couple of breaths, sips of, of fresh air, and then it's a Pow, pow, pow. Now, when you're looking at it, how has it shifted your perspective as far as life? Because what I've heard heard from you is the house isn't the answer, the neighborhood isn't the answer, the, the money isn't the answer, you know, all these things. Like, all these things. How's your perspective, and what is your perspective now?
1: Uh... Like, I I guess I, I joke with people now about how our life is, like, perfect except for this one detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do kind of feel that way. And, like, uh, the, the house, for example, uh, like, we don't have, like, nice car. We don't have, like, a bunch of nice things. Like, our house is our thing. Uh-huh. And we invested in it because... Over the years before that, we had tried some different living situations, and we figured out what we felt like was exactly how we wanted to live. Uh And I think it was a lot of the right things. And so it wasn't, let's buy a big house because it's big and impressive. Like, it wasn't that stuff. It wasn't the surface-level stuff. It was like, we drove into this neighborhood, and there were kids playing everywhere. And... We went and, like, let our kids play at the park, and some neighbors were there with their kids, and we said hi and asked them how the neighborhood is. And just, like, watching, like, whoa, this is a unique community uh, that's just hard to find anywhere. Like, uh, we had driven through every neighborhood. We were staying at my aunt's house way down south, like, by San Diego at the time, and, like, all the way up the coast, uh of san diego we we had driven through like every neighborhood and we were in a mindset of looking around because we it was like in tennessee we were like where is everybody we only see people when they're mowing their lawns otherwise they're just like inside or at work so we want people to be outside we don't care about small backyards that's good it brings people out front we want a neighborhood uh park and pool like get people outside and together and And if I envision like a heaven or something like that, like a utopia, like that's a big part of what I think it is. And so like we were kind of trying to get as close to that on earth as possible. And so it wasn't about like how much it cost or whatever. It did cost a lot, but like that wasn't the point. That was a hurdle that we had to get over to get to the important like meat that we were trying to get to. And it's, it's proved, it's proved itself, Mm -hmm. uh, Like financials are rough, rough right now. Like I'm uh, trying to figure out my next job, but probably I'm gonna have to take a sizable pay cut. And trying to figure out like these uh, these treatments and stuff that are like not the standard of care because the standard of care are chemo, surgery, chemo and radiation. Surgery was like okay, we got to do this. Chemo and radiation are scary. And they may or may not work, but they will probably mess me up in some way. And the vision that I retained, I might lose. So, like, if I got radiation and then lost half my sight from a few weeks of radiation, well, shoot, (laughs) you know? And so we've been trying to push that off and avoid that as long as possible. So we're doing this alternative stuff, but insurance doesn't pay for that because they think of it as experimental. Mm. And there's some data that it works, but... It's in this category of experimental. And so it's like thousands and thousands of dollars out of pocket every month. Uh, and so it's, I don't know. It's like we just have no option but just to just constantly like be doing everything we can. But like, we, we did get lucky with the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. The support. <coughs> uh, my wife especially has found like some of her best friends in her entire life in our neighborhood. And they, like, take care of our house or our kids or whatever if we need to, like, if we have an emergency. uh, They ca- they take care of us on, like, a personal level. They help, they help out, like, however they can. And that's been amazing to, like, witness and be on the receiving end of. And I've always been, like, very independent. I don't want to depend on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this has given me no choice. And so to have no choice but have these people around us, both the people in our neighborhood and friends that we already knew, like, like by the night of, I want to say the night of the diagnosis, which we were at home at that point. Uh, some friends of ours had put together a spreadsheet of like all of the best top doctors and, and specialists in San Diego uh, with phone numbers and contact info and everything. Uh, we had friends who are doctors who are on their like internal message boards asking like, if you had this, who would you go see? So we had, we had these things. There's a guy in the neighborhood who's uh, a big shot at like a brain research company. Mm -hmm. There, there were just all these like connections where people were willing to help financially or emotionally or whatever it is like they came through. And so that, I mean, back to, like, a few of the questions that I think have been asked. Uh, in terms of God, in the beginning, there was the panic, and I couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. And I, I, prayed, I prayed, first of all, for, like, healing. Okay. Hey, maybe this is it. I have prayed for all this stuff for all these years, and, like, my life is great, but the things that I've prayed for haven't been answered. And so, like, I, I can't tell if prayer works or my prayer works or if I'm doing it wrong or whatever. Like, I can't figure it out. What's, I don't know the rules. You know, I don't know what the system is, and it's confusing. Um, But I was praying for this, like, miraculous healing in the beginning, and it was like, maybe this is why, is God is like, I'm going to take you all the way to the bottom, and then I'm going to do this huge thing. And then you're going to know for the rest of your life, and for you and for your friends and your family who are atheists and agnostic, and who knows how, how wide it goes, undeniable proof, you know. And, and just go from there. And th- that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hold on. I, th- I thought you were going to drop us, uh, drop on us. And then you're like, and that didn't I happen. I wish I could. In a, in a way, I wish I could. So if God was sitting in the room right now with us, yeah, I would give him my chair. You know what I mean? I would make sure and get, give him my chair. Because um, I'd want to have a better place in heaven than you. I'm uh, <laughs> just joking, Ryan. But if he was in the room with us right now, and you got to ask him three questions, what would they be?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can, that's the kind of question you like warn somebody about before, <laughs> <laughs> so, so they can prepare. <laughs>
2: I mean based off the things that you're going through right now. I mean, you got a diagnose you got a brain cancer diagnosis, right?
0: Yeah.
2: You you come back, you have a part of your uh, brain taken out so the vision might go away. You lose some of the side on your uh, left side. So you don't have curb feelers on that on that side. You don't have your whiskers, right? Yeah. You go through that. You seem like you repair yourself. You're doing amazing. You got a phenomenal job and then you get an email that says, "Oh, by the way, that job that you have is going away." Yeah. If he's sitting right now and you have an unfiltered mufflers off conversation with god what are the what are the two or three things that you ask him
1: I mean I don't think I'd have like a jilted like what the heck kind of question for him I just I, right now that's not in this, the space I'm in but i okay. think, I think I know two of the questions and uh, people might think I'm lying but like <laughs> This is what comes to mind. First of all, like, what do you want from me? And part of what's like the the subcontext from that, of that is like, there is some of like, what the heck? Why are you doing (laughs) this? Whatever. Like, is there a point? And so if God is here, then I imagine there is a point. And then so the level that I'm at is what do you want from me? It seems like there's something. So just help me get there because (laughs) I don't know. What are the rules? Like, what's going on here? Help me understand and then help me help other people understand. Because the wrong people get sick and die. The wrong people are happy. I don't know if they're happy or whatever. But they're successful and, like, have a bunch of stuff. And, like, I guess less struggles. It, it, what, what are the rules? You know? Um, the third one, like... I'd probably come up with a better one, but, like, I'm curious. Like, what's the deal with the Old Testament versus new? <laughs> Feels like two different entities. Yeah. Sit, like, sets. And I think I have, like, the beginning of kind of an understanding of that, but, like, not fully, far far from full.
2: If you're speaking to young married couples, um, medium married couples, meaning, you know, five, 10 years, whatever it is, they got some kids. you got a crowd of them, 15, 20,000, 100,000 of them and their families. Um, they're hard charging, trying to accomplish the right job or whatever it is. What would you say to those people right now? Hmm.
1: I mean, for like, first of all, like, I'm just some guy. So, like, I'll say something, but, like, take it with a grain of salt the same way you should with, like, everybody. But just, like, take a lot of inputs and then try to distill it and, like, figure out your own deal. Um, But what I think the deal is is... is to try to figure out where you where you find uh, like joy and beauty where there's even like a hint of that. Like a dig into that stuff. And for me for me it is like family. I'm not that great with friends. Um If they're right in front of me, I'm very willing to, like, go deep in a conversation and whatnot. Like, I'm an open book, but, like, I'm not that great at, like, starting conversations or, like, keeping connections, whatever my wife does that for us. Uh, But friends are a big one. That's important for people. Nature is another one for me. Music. All of these sorts of things are the things that, like, always are with me. Um, And in really tough times are like the only things left. Uh, and like at at the hardest times uh, like if I can if I can have some connection and check back in with those things then that's like some kind of hope and joy and like a starting point. And I think I think even at like the end of life no matter when it comes, like, it, it might be scary or or you might be ready for it. Those are the things that, uh, that you think back on and be, like, happy that you invested in. Mm-hmm. in. In terms of, like, grinding at work and whatnot, like, just, like, sure, but, like, be careful. Don't let that, don't let any of those, like, become the thing. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I've had confusion in life, and I've had a lot of times of feeling like, I, like I think God exists, but for some reason He doesn't hang out with me. Mm. Uh, but I, I feel something in those things that is like bigger and deeper than those things themselves, and so like that, that leaves me leaves me with the thought of like there's something there and no matter how how confused I am about the details or sources or what people are talking about whatever like there's something and and I hear it in music I, I, I make music so like I feel it come out of me and then I feel that translate to other people sometimes when they listen um there's something there people put different names on it and stuff i think and there's a lot of confusion about it but like that for me is like the source of life for me and I, I, some version of that is the source of like all life that's god i think
2: <coughs> look into your camera which is right over here and what message do you want to send to your kids and to your wife if that was their eyes and you got a chance to be able to sit down with them right now, what do you want them to know from their dead?
1: <laughs> this is so sick because it, <laughs> it feels like a, like a setup. Like in the back of your mind, you're thinking like, He's going to be dead. And then <laughs> I'm
2: not thinking that, man. I'm just saying, like, I wish that I would have had, like, there's so many moments that my pop, like, I wish that I would have just recorded him. You know what I mean? So I wish I would have recorded him so he had some, because people hear my dad's voice through me. I'll be like, boy, that's how he talked to me. Boy, you just need to, blah, 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 and he would say something, and I'll be like, man, I wish I recorded that bad boy.
1: mm I don't know. I think I, I actually do enough. I do enough of that every day. I think I maybe lea- lean too heavily into like trying to teach my kids lessons, mm-hmm. and probably my wife too, w- which is like <laughs> <laughs> not as appropriate. <laughs> but like I, I bet I do that kind of too. Uh, so I probably like in this case would like lean away from that and like lean into what I should do more of. It's just like. I just love you and like I see you. I care about you and like you. You're you're it for me. Like you're the most important thing. And I'm I'm not strong enough to do any of this. So to Kalen, like, thank you for for helping carry the weight with me. Thank you for making me stronger to carry the weight, (laughs) and to all of them, Kaylin, Ruby, and Milo. Like, thank you for being my reason and and being worth it. Like, it, it, it's hard stuff, but uh, it's getting to the point where like I'm kind of used to the rigmarole of it and at this point i'm not overwhelmed and it's like it feels easy and it feels so worth it and because because you guys are worth it like i i don't i don't ever question if it's worth like financial ruin <laughs> 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 and what <with laughs> i hope we get to stay here and have this life it's a beautiful life that we have together um but i'll take any life together.
2: Ryan, I started the podcast because I didn't want my kids to worship idols. I wanted them to be inspired by icons like you. Now on YouTube, it's funny because there's, there's people out there, the the keyboard warriors (laughs) that I said that comment. And there was a, (laughs) there was a bunch of people who were like, why would they worship this? And they, they hit me with the comments, but that's the reason why I started the podcast for Maddox and McKenna, you've seen Maddox outside your door at times, and you've sent me pictures, and that's a whole nother episode. So I believe you're an iconic human being because you have a uh, an exceptional perception, perspective, and heart, which we've all experienced today. What advice would you have for Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use both their names, it would be awesome. <laughs>
1: Uh Maddox and McKenna, um from my limited knowledge and perception, you both have all the ingredients to to like fairly easily, based on the average, like fairly easily step into just like an amazing life. Maddox I've seen you around and like the athleticism is there your dad's involved in uh, Your football team and all that kind of stuff you have cool hair Um, Your dad's like a figure that's known you guys live in a great like all these ingredients are there to make it An easy transition into whatever awesome thing you want to do with your life Uh, Don't take that for granted both because it's not guaranteed and it might not be permanent, but also be p- because um, you'll appreciate it more and you will be a better person in it. And, like, that's, that's just as much or more important that you appreciate it when you're there and you're, like, great in it and, um, and show other people the way. And the way is not, like, fame and, and fortune. Um, the way is joy and peace and those sorts of things. So find that in there. Uh, don't let the noise drown out the signal.
2: Ryan, you have been better than advertised. I'm glad that I forced you to be my friend. And I forced this today. I forced this episode. I looked at you today and I said, I'm going to get you. I'm not even going to ask. I'm going to force you. I will. I said, I'll bring the equipment to the house if needed. You called. You're here it's unbelievable. I'm going to ask you for more episodes. I'm going to ask you to be on again.
1: That's good because I took a lot of notes on my phone before I came. My, I had brain surgery, so like I don't remember all the details. <laughs> my wife helped me take notes, and she is better at like seeing and hearing God uh, than I am. She's more adept at that. And so like there are points that she's going to wish that I had made or hit that I didn't. but you know, I did my best.
2: I think you did absolutely phenomenal, man. Um, Unbelievable. I want to take the time and uh, thank all of our sponsors. Every single person has been rocking with the podcast from the very beginning and uh, helped us get into the top 1% globally. I want to thank you, Ryan. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, your energy, your heart, um, your incredible, your laughter, man. And you calling me to the table. When I said that, you're like, you, when I asked you to talk to your kids or your wife, you're like, this is a setup. You think that I'm going. No, I'm not saying that. But you got me. Um, but I look forward to another episode. I look forward to many, many years of friendship and uh, for me forcing you to be my friend for the rest of your life. Kaylin, make sure there's only five uh, pillows on the uh, bed. Or you could go to eight, um, but you're making it. Sound good? Yeah. Thanks, Kelly. I appreciate you. And Ryan, you're officially off the hot seat. Let's see if that one worked. Let's see. There we go. Here we go.